The following audio is from City Rev Church. For more information about City Rev Church, visit us online at cityrev.org. You can join us live Saturday nights at 6 p.m., Sunday mornings at 9, 10.30, or 12, or you can join us online at cityrev.org. My wife Rebecca and I have uh, three children, seven, five, and uh, one and a half. And, you know, if you have children in your life, whether nieces and nephews or grandkids or kids of your own, uh, you know that um, kids have the capacity, man, they, they can say things that can make you feel like a million bucks. Or they can do things that just, you're like, oh man. And so um, recently, uh, my, I, I came home, and this is a trend happening with my one-year-old, where she's getting more and more verbal, more and more mobile. And um, when she hears that, the, the front door, I'm getting home from the offices, when she hears that front door unlatch and that door open, I'll hear from somewhere on the other side of the house, da-da! And then I'll hear the sound of these footsteps just running as fast as she can. And man, a, a one-year-old running is hilarious, okay? Because they're just barely staying upright and their arms are going and all these weird things. And anyway, she comes running up to me and I just scoop her up into my arms and, and pick her up. And man, at that moment, it doesn't matter what happened to me that day. Man, I feel like a, a million dollars. And, and um, my, my older two, the five-year-old, the seven-year-old, you know, they, are, they do that sometimes, it's becoming less and less frequent, unfortunately, but, uh, but they still do that from time to time. But um, kids have a way of making you feel like a million bucks. At the same time, they have the ability to say things to you. And the thing about little kids is they are really, really honest. And so sometimes what just crops up into their head, they just say. And so um, recently I was wrestling with my five-year-old son. And uh, we're wrestling around. At one moment, he stops, and his face is like this far from my face. And um, he says, Dad, and I know he's about to lay some, like, heavy truth on me, okay? He says, Dad, you're getting old. (laughs) What are you talking about? I'm getting old. I'm a a spring chicken, okay? What do you mean I'm getting old? And he takes his little five-year-old finger, and he pushes it on my chin, like, uncomfortably, like this. And he says, Dad, you got, you got white whiskers right here. You're, you're starting to get old, okay? And um, let's just say the wrestling took on a new intensity after that, all right? So kids have a way of making you feel like, you know, one moment I feel like all the dignity in the world, I'm like the happiest moment it seems in this one-year-old's life, and the next minute I'm suddenly aware that I'm getting old, okay? And so, um, and that, that is similar to our life experience with or without, whether you have kids in your life or not, or grandkids or, or whatever. You know, we as humans, we kind of bounce back and forth between one moment where we feel all this dignity and pride and we feel like a good moment and then the next moment man something just seems like it just strips us strips us of our dignity and we we have kind of like a tough moment that we're facing and we can kind of go back and forth between those two and and that idea of human life and dignity is really what we're talking about in this series because when God first talks about human beings in the Bible when he makes all of creation and he talks about what it looked like when he made human beings He says something so profound about who we are, who you are, who I am. Something so profound tied right in to the invention of humanity that it it brings this dignity to every single human life. And we're talking about that in, in all of its different dimensions through this series called Made. 
And we're talking about one dimension of that this week, and we'll be continuing with, a, with another dimension of this um, next week. But I want to go right to the very beginning of what God says about humanity. So I want you to go all the way back in the Bible to Genesis chapter 1, first chapter in the Bible. So if you're watching at home, grab your phone and go to your Bible app or grab your Bible and go to Genesis chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 26. It's already talked about all the things that God has made and then here it gets towards the end to the moment when he makes humanity. Genesis chapter 1 starting in verse 26. Listen to what he says about you and about me. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the, birds of the, uh, over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. After all the things that he makes in all of creation, when he comes to humanity, he says, but this I am making in my own image. That is a profound thought. That of all of creation, of all the galaxies, of all, uh, of all the creatures, of all the mysteries, of all the, the scientific laws that he set up to, to govern the universe, of all of those things, when he got to humanity, he said something specific. He said, I am making them in my likeness. When I'm making humanity, they are reflecting. I'm intentionally wiring them together to reflect something about me, God says talked about last week about the, the incredible soaring dignity that that gives every man and every woman made in his image. He says, in, in my image, I'm making them in my likeness. Now, of course, there are things that in each of our lives, there's, there's brokenness in our lives, there's, there's pain, there's, there's wounds, there are things that God is in the process of redeeming in our lives. But in our essence, who he's made us to be as human beings, there's a dignity that he gives us in making us in his likeness. Now, what's interesting, a couple chapters later, just that we're in Genesis 1, but in Genesis 3, what happens is the enemy, the devil, Satan, he slithers into the Garden of Eden where Adam and Eve are, and he tempts and tricks Eve and Adam and Eve sin. They both fall. They choose to disobey God. But we looked specifically at the trick that the enemy uses. And it's right there at the beginning. And what we discovered is this particular lie is underneath all wickedness. It's underneath all sin, all evil. Underneath it is this one particular lie. What he says to Eve is he says, did God say you can't eat of any of the trees in the garden? He says, no, no, we can eat of, actually, all of the trees on earth are there for us. There's all kinds of trees. There's just one he told us not to eat of it. He says, if we eat of it, she says, we'll, we'll die. And then Satan says this, you will not die. It's just that God knows when you eat it, you will become, and this is what he says, you will become like God. Now, he uses the same word there in Genesis 3 that it just said here in Genesis 1, that we are made in the likeness of God. So listen very closely to the lie of the evil one. He's saying that we have to do something, in, his, in this case, it's disobedience, 
to become like God, but God has already said he's made us in his likeness. And so the trick underneath the lies of the enemy is that we are less than who he's already said we are. He says, we're already like God. But he says, oh, if you want to be like God, you got to do this. You got to disobey God to get it. See, underneath all evil is he's dehumanizing human beings. He dehumanizes us in our own minds, which leads us to dehumanize others. And there's all kinds of, of evils that happen, not only um, all, all around the world, all throughout history, all kinds of hurts and wounds and sins and injustices and oppressions, all types of things that happen because we dehumanize. And one expression of that we get a hint of right here in Genesis 1. It's a foundational part of humanity. The very first command that God gave to human beings is to be fruitful and to multiply. And what's, what's interesting in context to hear that command for reproduction, to hear that command in context of the creation account is it shows us that the creator wants to include his creation in the process of creating more. He wants to use humans in the process of creating more humans. It's an incredible honor and dignity that he's given to us. But where we sometimes miss is we sometimes forget the role of God in the process of continuing to create humans. So what do, what do I mean by that? Well, sometimes maybe we inadvertently think that God created humans. He kind of created this umbrella like, okay, you're in my image. I've created the whole process of reproduction of more humans and, and being fruitful and multiplying. And it's almost like a wind-up toy that he kind of wound up and kind of set in motion. And then he just kind of stands back as if he stands back and just watches to see, oh, I wonder what it will look like when, when the DNA from these two parents come together. I wonder what they'll create. Almost like God kind of just set up the process and took a step back. But that's not what the scripture says about God's continual role in the creation of human beings. And what he said is profound of what this means of your dignity and who you are. I want you to see what it says in a couple verses. I want you just to look first at, at um, Psalm 139. Let me just read this verse to you. Listen to this and think of the implications of what this means about you. The psalmist, the one who wrote this, says this to God. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. That means, not only did God say, I've set up a, a, a system where humans get to be a part of recreating more humans. But he didn't say, but I didn't. I didn't Take a step back. No, I am knitting together every human being inside their mother's womb. He wired you together with intentionality to reflect something about himself. Very intentional, just exactly how you're created. Listen to this other verse, because I think this is incredible. It says something similar. This is over in Isaiah chapter 44, verse 24. Listen to what he says. This is about you. This is what he says about you. He says, thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, who formed you from the womb. I am the Lord who made all things, who alone stretched out the heavens, who spread out the earth by myself. Can you just imagine this with me for a second? 
What this is saying is the same God who stretched out the universe with all its innumerable galaxies, with its untold solar systems. He stretched out the entire universe. He's operating the entire universe, keeping it running and spinning. He's operating the entire universe, the entire galaxy, the entire solar system. And yet in the midst of all of that, the entire earth and all of the, the creatures and the mysteries of this earth, yet he says this about you. When you were in your mother's womb, he formed you. He knew exactly how you were being formed together. And every man and woman being formed in their mother's womb reflects something about the creator, God. And that's profound. That's beautiful. And so here's what this means then, the implications for us, is we say, okay, God, when there's a baby in the womb, God is weaving and knitting and forming and wiring that human life in the womb. And if we know that, that every human being is made in God's image, God is forming them in their mother's womb. And we know that the enemy, the evil one behind all evil is the process of trying to dehumanize. Then what that means is wherever a life is being dehumanized, treated less than life, that means that we stand to protect that life and advocate for its dignity. And so that leads us to protect and defend the little life inside the womb that is being knit together. Because it's not less than life, it's life. Now, there's a very important question that follows that. Well, okay. At what point does that little one in the womb become life? And that's a very, very important question. And that is like sacred ground that we walk very gently and graciously and lovingly through that question because the implications of that are, are wide and deep. And so to, to see what the scripture says, because that's what really matters. What, what matters, it, it doesn't matter what my opinion is on that. And honestly, it doesn't matter what your opinion is on that. What matters is the creator's opinion on that. It matters what God's opinion is. What does God say? And the scripture says a lot on this subject, but I want to just show you one particular person's story briefly. Um, just two verses that reflect this one particular person's story in the New Testament. It's a man by the name of John the Baptist. And in the New Testament, John the Baptist is this prophet figure that was foretold from the Old Testament, someone that were, would prepare the way for the Messiah. They were supposed to wait that a prophetic figure would come and prepare the way, and that's exactly what John did. He was this prophetic figure, and he, he started preparing Israel to receive their Messiah. The interesting thing about John the Baptist is he's actually like a second or third cousin of Jesus Christ. And Jesus' mother, Mary, was pregnant at the same time with John the Baptist's mother, Elizabeth, and they were like cousins. And when Mary found out that she was miraculously pregnant, when an angel told her that, she went over to visit her cousin Elizabeth and found out that Elizabeth also had a child in her womb. But what happens next, I want you to see. Let me read these two verses here 
Here's what it says in Luke chapter 1. It says, verse 15, this is what it says about John the Baptist. And he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. That means that little life that's being knit together, the Holy Spirit will come upon that life while he's still in Elizabeth's womb. And then here's what happens if I flip a page over. When Mary approaches... It says that the little baby inside Elizabeth's womb leaps. Here's what Elizabeth says to Mary. For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Here's the, here's the profound thing happening inside a mother's womb. God is knitting that child together. And that little life, even in the story of John the Baptist, that little life... Um, received in John the Baptist's case the Holy Spirit and even from the womb was declaring Jesus the Messiah. The first time Jesus, as he, his body was being knit together in Mary's womb, approached, he leapt for joy, signaling, this is the one whom I, I am here to serve. Incredible. There's an incredible, incredible story with every life being formed in the now, here's what I want to do for the, most of the remainder of our time. I want you to see this um, conversation that I had with a woman by the name of Ariana Reed. She's the president of Hope Women's Centers. And I want you to hear her thoughts and also her journey and her story as we think through, okay, if there's life inside the womb, then how do we as um, people who believe what God has said about us, how do we proceed? And so I want you to take a second, take a few minutes, and I want you to hear this interview. So Ariana, when a woman walks into Hope Women's Center, one of the four locations, you know, walk me through what happens when a woman walks in. Every woman is in a different situation. Mm -hmm. uh, some of them are afraid. Some of them are, you know, they know what they want to do. And then there's others that are just in a interesting place, uh, maybe a bit foggy, mm. and uh, they maybe can't believe what's happening. And, yeah. and, and part of that reason is some of them have already taken a at-home test and they want to confirm it at hope because we do have a medical uh, grade uh, pregnancy test that oh, wow. we do. And so when they come in, uh, we do have them fill out paperwork, which we do encourage them to do that beforehand. And um, they come in, they meet with an advocate who is going to talk with them. And um, this is somebody who is not going to judge them. And so uh, we get to listen uh, to her story, hear, uh, hear what's going on with her, and, um, and, and also provide that pregnancy test uh, to see you know, what her result is. And then from there, then if her test is uh, reading uh, positive, then we will talk with her about an ultrasound because we know that that's such an important piece of a woman and her partner being informed and being educated to be able to see the truth of what's really going on. Uh, you might have heard the term, the window into the womb. Mm. And uh, when we've seen the the ultrasound, we also know that it has uh, changed a lot of hearts and minds uh, because it no longer becomes, okay, this is what they're saying or this is what the test read. Sure. But this is, there's actually a, there's actually a baby yeah. there. What is it about seeing that ultrasound? Because there might be a woman or uh, a man whose uh, partner's just found out that she's pregnant and they might be considering an abortion and they might be saying, I don't know if I wanna go to Hope and see an ultrasound. 
But what is it? What does that do when a woman sees that? Have you seen? And what does that do for a, a man when he sees the ultrasound? Like, walk through, what is that, what is that like? Um, well, really, what, what it does is it, I, I believe it reveals the truth of what's going on in the womb. Um, for somebody who is considering abortion, my encouragement would be for them to come to hope, um, even if that's the decision that they want to make. Reason being is the ultrasound is, um, allows us to be able to confirm uh, the pregnancy. And um, unfortunately, we have had times where we've done an ultrasound and the RDMS or registered nurse did not see a heartbeat um, or uh, the baby is not in the right place. And we call that an ectopic tubal pregnancy, which you won't know until you have an ultrasound done. And just to share a quick story, uh, and this has happened on several occasions, and uh, we are grateful that the Lord has brought these particular women exactly when he brought them. But to share this one story, we had a, a woman who was abortion-minded who came in for services, and we were able to do her ultrasound. And it was when we were doing the ultrasound that the nurse did not see the baby where the baby needed to be. And so uh, the nurse referred her to the emergency room and said, you need to go to the emergency room right away. So she went to the emergency room. And when she went there, um, the timing was so perfect because they said, had you waited a few more minutes, it would have ruptured. Oh, my goodness. And if it were to rupture, that could be fatal. And so um, they were able to, you know, take care of her in the emergency room, but it saved her life. And how did we know? Well, that same patient called us back, um, not right away, but she called us back a couple weeks later and was so grateful um, because, you know, we provided her with that service, no charge, and, you know, sent her to the emergency room and she's here today. And so um, uh, just a story of the importance of having an ultrasound done to confirm that pregnancy. Mm. doesn't matter if somebody is, you know, set on abortion, they're not sure what they want to do, or, you know, they're excited. Uh, we recommend to anybody um, to make sure that they have an ultrasound done to confirm their pregnancy and to make sure everything is, is okay. So you're now the president of Hope Women's Centers, but you used to be a center director. Yes. So what do you what do you miss about being a center director? Yes. It's great. I mean, you're doing a great job leading the <laughs> whole organization, but you used to be like right there in the center. What do you miss about that? Yes. Um, the biggest part I miss is being able to to sit across from a young woman and to hear her story, and for me to be able to inject truth, to inject hope and love, and um, let her know, you know, that we're here and and we're not just about the here and now. But I would tell all of my patients, you know, I'm here for you. So if you need to, you know, call me back in a year or two, you know, we're here for you. And uh, we want to make sure that they have the resources that they need. We want to make sure that they're plugged in. And another thing that's important for us is community for her and for her partner. And so we like to connect them with churches because we know that that's really the most important place for them to be 
especially during a time like this uh, in their lives. Wow. All right, so Ariana, tell us about when women come in, you, you were telling me that oftentimes there's a wall up. Yes, yeah, there's a wall up. And well, why is the wall up? I think the wall is up because they feel like um, maybe they're going to be judged. Uh, what, are, what are they going to say? Um, they don't know what to expect. And so naturally, I think all of us, when there's fear or we're not quite sure how things are going to play out, we, we put up these walls. And when we have the privilege and opportunity to be able to sit across the room from this young woman and talk with her about her situation and to love on her, we get to see those walls come down. And, and some it might take some time. Um, and some, you know, those walls do, do stay up. Um, but we do know that the Lord is using uh, the team to plant seeds and to make a difference uh, in her life. And it's just great when you see that wall up when they first come in. Mm -hmm. And by the time they're leaving, it is completely down. And they're so open and receptive to the information that's being shared. And you see a heart of gratitude because they're receiving these services at no cost. And... Um, I've even seen women just weep because they've not been able to really have a conversation with anybody about what's going on, mm, wow. and they didn't feel judged. They felt like they could freely be able to share what's truly going on, and they're just really grateful for that. Tell us a little bit why this is an issue that you are, um, and, and these women and, and these children, why this is such a passion for you, you know, why this is something that I mean, you're, you're giving your life to this and helping these women and coming around them. Like, what, what has given you such a passion for this? Yeah, um, so my passion does come from my own personal story. Um, I, I was raised in the church and um, ended up getting pregnant <laughs> during high school, and I did not know what to do. And in my mind, I thought, well, the only thing to do is I'm going to be a parent. So that was mm -hmm. the initial thought. Um, however, I, um, with a couple of different sources, uh, was encouraged to have an abortion. And I didn't even know what, what that was, what that would entail. And so here I am just, you know, in high school, just kind of going along with the motions. And, you know, something deep inside of me wanted to reach out to somebody at the church, but the few things that came through my mind is like, well, I can't do that. Like, I, I felt like I might be shunned. I'm, you know, I might be judged, not accepted. And um, just ended up going to the abortion clinic and um, my pregnancy was terminated. And unfortunately, I did not get to see an ultrasound beforehand um, like we get to show at Hope. And um, uh, that life was taken and um, God met me though uh, <laughs> during a dark a dark place and uh, because my life really did uh, hit rock bottom and I know uh, the abortion uh, was part of that and um, God met me at rock bottom and I felt at that moment that God was calling me uh, to to stand for life and I made a decision that day you know, Lord, send me and I will go. And I remember that being my prayer and my plea to God. And he was like, okay. <laughs> 
And I felt like he was then sending me and I automatically looked for a pregnancy resource center to get involved in. And I ended up finding Hope Women's Centers, which was literally right in my backyard, which twofold, it broke my heart. Uh, but I was also excited because I knew there was hope for other people, but it broke my heart because I didn't have the opportunity to get connected to hope. And so one of my heart's desires is that everybody would know that we're here, we exist, and we're able to help women and their partners who are experiencing an unexpected pregnancy. And we are not judgmental. We say, come and uh, we will help you. Uh, if you are hardcore, you want to have an abortion, but you still want to have a conversation, we are here. Um, if you're just not sure, we're here for you. And so um, I have a heart for specifically women that are really wrestling, but also for their partners because uh, they also need to be equipped. And I can imagine how difficult it is for that man um, because God has created him to protect and provide. And he is probably like, I don't know how to do that right now. Like, I'm just trying to get my act together. And so I love the fact that Hope provides these free services uh, to these couples. And um, I also love the fact that we have seen hundreds of thousands of babies' lives saved in all of these years since our existence. And it's just incredible to be a part of what God has done and is currently doing here at Hope. And uh, we appreciate City Rev um, for your guys' support and, and helping to save lives. And um, it's, it's just an incredible um, opportunity. God has given us both <laughs> to be a part of what Hope Women's Centers is doing. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the financial support for a second. You know, we as a church have um, been a financial supporter of Hope for, um, I mean, probably I think since day one. I mean, more than 15 years at least, and, um, and which is our honor to be a part of that. And, but I, we have people in our, our church. Our church is full of families that are all in following Jesus, all or nothing, and want to use their financial resources for the kingdom of God. And so I know that there are families out there who, you know, they generously give to their church, and part of that goes to, goes to hope. But maybe feeling like above and beyond, they want, to, they want to be a direct, in addition, a direct supporter of Hope Women's Centers. So what does that look like? How, where would they go to start giving? And how do they, do, do people give monthly? Do people give, how, how does that work? How would a family who's like, wow, I want to bear fruit as part of our, our family. We want to invest financially in what's, what God is doing in South Florida for, for the unborn and for women and for men and be a part of that. So what would they do? Yeah. Uh, so the easiest way is for them to go online to friendsofhope.com and they can actually donate there virtually. And um, if they choose to write a check, they can do so, but they We'll get that information on the website as well. Uh, monthly supporters, I believe, is huge because that really does help to uh, sustain uh, the ministry ongoing. Uh, so if there's anybody that feels like, you know what, I want to monthly support uh, what you're doing, uh, we definitely welcome that. And um, we do have people that do also give uh, a one-time gift, and that could be done online as well. Um, they can also call us 
uh, which our phone number is on the website. Uh, I would say that's the, the easiest way would be able to do it online. Uh, but again, for people that feel more comfortable writing a check and sending it in the mail, uh, they can also do that as well. Other ways that people can get involved is prayer. Um, that's huge. It makes such a difference. And I, I think, you know, in our society, um, uh, for some people, it's, it's, there's not a lot of emphasis there. But we know that prayer changes things. We know that it saves lives. And so um, people that say, hey, we want to be praying for you, or maybe they want to be a part of a prayer list where you know, we can uh, let them know, hey, we have uh, a woman and her partner that has come in. Uh, they just came in, and they're considering abortion. And we could say, hey, can you be praying right now? So how about those who can give up their time? And they're like, look, I, I want to be, I, I wanna be in, in it. I want to go. I want to be a part of it. I want to use my time. And maybe there's even someone who's like, you know, I've been, I've been kind of praying and seeking the Lord that there is, you know, there's something for me to join in doing. And, and we want our people, City Rev people, to be deployed in the city. You know, like they come and they volunteer here, and that's awesome. But uh, also get out in the city and, and be a part of what God's doing. So someone's like, well, what does it look like to volunteer at Hope? Like, what, yeah. what, would, what would they do? Yeah, so there's so many different options um, depending on their particular skill set, uh, which some uh, positions don't need um, a particular skill set. Um, but I say that because there are some positions where you would need credentials. Um, so, for example, when we have our patient advocates, we are looking for people um, that have a medical background. Um, however, if somebody wants to help answer the phones in the clinics or they might want to help on the administrative side of things, you know, not everybody wants to be on the front lines, but maybe they want to be behind the scenes helping us at the administrative office. Uh, whether it is answering phones or helping to file things, helping to, um, uh, we have uh, specific times where we have to stuff envelopes and you know things like that that are just very easy to do. Uh, we definitely welcome that. We also are looking for volunteers to help with our um, Hope uh, Restored program, which is the program specifically for uh, women and men who have walked through abortions in their past. Uh, if there's somebody who has walked through an abortion in their past, uh, we are looking for volunteers to actually help lead um, and walk others through healing uh, through those studies. And so there are so many different positions, and those are just a few that I mentioned. Uh, but if anybody feels led to get involved on a volunteering basis, I would say go again, go onto our website, friendsofhope.com, and uh, there is a tab uh, to get involved, and they can click on uh, volunteering and um, they can uh, fill out the information and, and we'll reach out to them. So, at our church, we are a, a group of imperfect people who are just love Jesus Christ, who is perfect. And uh, so, un undoubtedly, there are people in our church that. Um, that have abortions in their in their past, and how, what would you say to that person? How would you in, encourage that person? What what should they do? And maybe this is bringing up some fresh wounds, or they're maybe thinking about things a little differently, or rethinking about things they haven't thought about in a while. What would be your word for for that person? Um. So for that person, 
that has experienced an abortion, um, I would say you're not alone. And there is help, there is forgiveness, there is freedom. Um, and uh, we know that comes from Christ. And so my encouragement to them would be, um, in our case, because we're Hope Women's Centers, you know, reach out to us. Uh, we do have a, a Bible study that you can get involved in and to be able to walk through healing and um, not just for um, uh, you, but also for your partner. And um, there is no cost for that. And you just have to be willing, willing to just say, Lord, <laughs> I really don't know what to do, but I'm taking this, this step. And so my encouragement to them would be to reach out to us and for them to know that there is help and um, there is healing and there is forgiveness. And um, for the person who may be considering an abortion, uh, again, with those same words, there is help. And uh, if you're local, please reach out to us. Um, and you can go to hopewomencenters.com and you can make an appointment online. It's really that easy to just go on there and to schedule an appointment. Our team is so loving and caring and we welcome you with open arms. Maybe just a final word for, for, um, for us from you, Ariana. Just in the Bible, what, what are the, what's the passage or the key verse in your mind that is really behind what you're passionate about with advocating for, for life? Is there a key scripture that in your mind you, you say, man, this, this is what drives me? Yeah. Um, well, there's a few verses. Um, a common one that a lot of people do know is Psalm 139. And um, um, gosh, I mean, it just talks about how God knit us together in our mother's womb, you know. And I, I think that verse is important because God is the creator of life, no matter how that life came to be. He is the creator and that baby in the womb has been created in his image. And you and I are both here today because our moms chose life. And my mom had an opportunity to not choose life. Uh, but then I would not be talking to you today. And um, I think that verse, uh, it drives me, but I believe it drives our, our staff as well. And so I do want to uh, stick with that verse specifically because it speaks to a lot, you know, for those who are watching this, that God created you in your mother's womb and, and, and God loves you. So appreciate, appreciate Ariana and her words and uh, her courage and vulnerability in sharing her story. And uh, Ariana is actually here today at, at City Rev. She's here with some of our team, some of her team. And um, can we just thank her for just sharing her story and just her wisdom? And to the Hope team, thank you for what you're giving your life to. I'm so grateful for you all. And so just a couple closing thoughts. Um, you might be here today and maybe you are, or maybe you're watching online and maybe this is kind of stirring up some, some thoughts or some wounds, some memories, maybe some things you haven't thought of in a long time. Maybe some things very recent, very current in your life. 
And so I just want to leave you with, with this thought. If you're in that place, I want you to know that you are very loved. You're loved by the one who made you, your heavenly father. You're loved by Jesus Christ. And you are loved by this church. We love you. And you are not alone. Don't walk this journey alone. That's a lie. That's a lie from the enemy who wants you to feel like you're unworthy of walking alongside of. But we love you. And so don't walk this journey alone. No matter what, all of us, every one of us need Jesus. And we approach Jesus the same way, someone needing a Savior. So if you are someone that maybe you... Um, find yourself or your partner pregnant and you have um, questions and you say, look, I, maybe I will make an appointment, then I want to challenge you to go to hopewomencenters.com. If you're someone who have, are processing things because maybe you have an abortion in your past, they have um, a Bible study, they have people there that can talk with you and, and you can find freedom and forgiveness and healing. Um, and in fact, I would, if you're here, I would encourage you to go to the table in the, the front lobby where you'll find Ariana and Lori, a member of her team, and um, they, they can give you resources about that. But for others of, of us here at church, this is a, an opportunity for us to stand for the dignity of human life and stand alongside men and especially women that need people to love them in this moment that they find themselves carrying a child. And so church, City Rev, our vision is to see South Florida transformed by the power of God in our generation and to reveal the love of Jesus to our city. And so this is one of those dimensions that we must rise up and be a part of it. And so what I want to challenge the, this, our church to do is um, maybe now on your phone or later, go to friendsofhope.com. That's for those of us who want to come alongside the work, the incredible work they're doing at their four locations here in South Florida. And I want to challenge you, church, to get involved. Find a way, if you can, to serve, to volunteer. Church, I believe that there are many families here that go to City Rev. And many of you already give generously to your church. And part of every time you give, that goes to Hope Women's Center and other organizations like that that we support. But I think some of you, above and beyond that, are being called today to get involved financially. And I want to challenge you to go to that website, friendsofhope.com. And I want to challenge you to give, maybe you, and, and especially many of you, to become monthly financial supporters of this incredible, incredible ministry. In fact, there's something that every single person can do. On your way out, you'll see if you go out the back door, you'll see someone with a basket with little bottles in it. If you go to um, the table uh, in the front lobby, there are little bottles. I want every person to walk out or every family to walk out with a bottle. And those bottles are to fill with change or cash or even write a check and you can put it in the bottle. And then in three weeks on February 14th, you can bring it back here to the church um, or you can just drop it off at their brand new Pembroke Pines location, the Hope Women's Center, brand new location here, right in our own city, Pembroke Pines. You can drop it off there as well. But that is a great way you can have a conversation with those in your family. And if you have children or grandchildren, a great way you can get them involved to be a part of what God is doing 
to protect the dignity of human life, to stand for that. Because, because that's what we are called to do. That's what we want to do as a church. That's what we're going to do. And so I want to challenge you to get involved. Final thought here. You know, the sweetest, sweetest thing about following Jesus is that he loves us so much that no matter what the brokenness is in our life, and every single one of us has it, we all have it. And the enemy tries to make us feel shame. He makes us feel like our life is defined by our mistakes, defined by our shame and our guilt. But the power of what Jesus Christ did when he died on the cross, suffered a grisly death and then rose again from the dead in all his glory and is now preparing a place for us in heaven. The power of what Jesus Christ did is he removes all of our sin and our shame and he recreates us in his image. And all it takes to have your sins forgiven is to trust in Jesus and the work that he did for us through his death and resurrection. All it takes to spend an eternity with God in heaven and to know that you're saved is just simply, there's nothing you can do. It's just simply trust in the power of what Jesus accomplished for you. And so maybe the step that, that you are feeling nudged by God to take is just simply give your life to Jesus. Just trust him. And if you're ready to take that step, whether you're here, you're watching online, I want to lead you in this prayer. Would everyone just bow your head and close your eyes? If you're ready to take that step, if you want to trust in Jesus, then just simply make this prayer your own. Just silently in your heart, whether you're watching at home or sitting here in this room, just simply say, Jesus, in your heart, say this to him, Jesus, thank you for saving me. I trust you. I trust that when you died on the cross, it paid for my sin once and for all. I trust that when you rose again from the dead, you defeated death itself. I trust that if I put my, my, my faith in you, I will spend eternity with you in heaven. Thank you for the work that you did to save me. I will follow you in Jesus' name. Hey, if that was your prayer just then, I want you to, if you're watching online, grab your cell phone, or if you're here in the room, grab your phone and just go to cityrev.org slash faith. If that was your prayer just then. It's gonna ask you a couple questions. We just want to send you a Bible. If you're watching online, we wanna send you a Bible. If you're here, you can go to guest services tent in the lobby as you leave. We wanna put a Bible in your hands as you leave. Just say, hey, I put my faith in my, I trusted Jesus today. Let us walk along this journey with you. Church, we're going to close with a song that reminds us how sweet it is to trust in Jesus. What an incredible privilege we have to walk on that journey. So would you stand with me as we sing together? Thanks for listening. For more resources and to check out other teaching series, please visit our website at cityrev.org. If you would like to speak to somebody about beginning a relationship with Jesus or ask any questions you have about this teaching, you can email us at podcast at cityrev.org.